The Mind Sponsor for today is upcoming podcast series, Personality Sleuths. Personality Sleuths will be co-hosted by Dr. J. Galen Buckwalter, whose career includes being the founding chief science officer of eHarmony and me, leveraging my experience as a venture capitalist and entrepreneur. We will analyze personality using a speech-based proprietary AI algorithm, along with the clues evident in social media and the popular press. Each episode will dissect the life of someone famous who gained the trust of many before becoming notorious for duping people, committing a crime, or losing exorbitant amounts of money, all while the clues were there all along and how they spoke. Tune in soon. On this episode, we have Taisha Teal. Taisha was born and raised in Vancouver. She comes from an artistic family and pursued art as her passion. Stemming from a desire to address some adolescent trauma, Taisha turned to art therapy. She found it so meaningful to her that she has dedicated her life to the use of art therapy as a healing modality for others. She studied psychology at university, and in lieu of focusing on talk therapy, she has been working in a clinical setting for a number of years, leading art therapy sessions for teens. She also thrives in her own artistic practice. In addition, her family founded Art Vancouver, an art fair based in its namesake city. She is also involved in her family's art gallery. Tasha, thank you so much for being on our show. Thank you so much for having me. I've been looking forward to this conversation for some time because you have dedicated your life and practice to the convergence of two areas that mean a great deal to me. Uh, I'm very passionate about art and you are an artist at your core. And I'm also passionate about mental health and uh, mental wellness. And uh, that's an area that uh, you have dedicated your time, energy and uh, professionalism to. So um, it's, it's really great to have you here. And uh, for starters, thank you for all that you do. <laughs> it's it's really yeah, extraordinary. No, I, I find it very rewarding and I'm happy to do it. Great. I love to start these conversations from the very beginning. And um, what I find fascinating about your background, uh, while you were born and raised in Vancouver, um, you have this ancestry from many parts of the globe. And I think it would be fun for our audience to uh, <laughs> understand and appreciate that about you. So uh, please share about uh, your lineage and then uh, kind of growing up from there. Yeah, um, so I'm born and raised in Vancouver, but my mom's side of the family is from, from Australia and Russia. And they came over to um, Ontario first. And then my dad's side is from Ireland and Finnish. So I'm a very big mix. Um, <laughs> and I think it kind of shows, um, like I don't look really very similar to my family members. Some mm. they're like, okay, you, you know, you guys are twins, but um, yeah, we look very different because I'm a little bit of a mixture. So nice. yeah. That's great. And you have a grandmother who speaks Finnish. Uh, yes. Yes. I cannot speak it. Um, it's like gibberish to me. I wish I could understand, <laughs> but no, I cannot. It's a challenging language. It's, mm -hmm. um, we talked about this. It's not uh, like a lot of um, Western European languages, the Romance languages, or even the Germanic, where um, some knowledge of, you know, knowledge of English can help you decipher it. If it's very Eastern European, it almost yeah. feels in its, uh, in its syntax and, and how it's spoken. Um, so growing up in Vancouver, tell us about your siblings. 
Um, well, we're all artists in our own different way. Uh, my sister is also a painter. And is she mom, younger than you or older than you? She's younger. Okay. She's 25 and my brother's 29. And we, my brother does drone videography. So he, right. he's a gamer. So he's really good at, at gaming. And so <laughs> right. um, he also has an eye. And so he did a, a big road trip down to Mexico and brought his drone. And from there, he, he captured some really, really amazing um, photos of wildlife, uh, whales jumping through the ocean and deserts. Oh my and wow. so he's done pretty well as a drone videographer, um, selling photos as well as videos. Yeah. Um, and then my mom is a very big artist as well. Okay, that's what I was going to ask. Um, and, uh, and you mentioned your your father has uh, some creative outlets also. He, yeah, he he likes to do woodworking. A little bit mm. different. He likes to make stuff. He likes to fix stuff. He likes to get his hands dirty, and he likes to create different things. Yeah, yeah. So I, I imagine with this artistic backdrop at home and uh, three children, your fellow siblings and you all showing artistic proclivities, there must have been a lot of uh, artistic endeavors going on while you were growing up. Yes. Um, so every birthday, it was a different theme. It was bracelet making. We have a mm. clay room, so it was full on making wow. clay objects. Um we had one wall where my mom allowed us to write on it, paint on it. So whenever I'd have friends come over, I'd say, would you please sign the wall? And they'd be like, really? And I'm like, yeah, you can do whatever. Like, it's a Like, it's down in the basement. My parents don't care. So it was super fun. And we've always been creating different things and, and experimenting with different art materials. My mom is always in all of our, we do a lot of traveling. So wherever we go, we'd see something and she'd be like, oh, let's get that, bring it home and we can try it. So it's always been a, you know, no no judgment on what you're creating, but just create and have fun and play with play with the materials. So it's- That's been really great. I have to say, it's very prescient of your parents to designate a wall because you often hear the opposite story of uh, parents becoming very upset when their children take their creative endeavors yeah. and use the wall as a canvas. Um, so <laughs> really astute on your parents' part to say, hey, guess what? Put it all here. Yeah. We yeah. can paint over it as we need to. <laughs> That's exactly. And we're um, renovating the upstairs kitchen right now. And we're taking out a wall. And so my mom the other day was like, let's draw on it. And we're like, okay. And like the renovations have been on hold. So we've had a, a messy wall of writing. Everyone that's come over is just drawn on it for months that now. That is fantastic. I love that. <laughs> yeah. That is so great. Well, what are, if it weren't for COVID, I would love to come up and uh, <laughs> contribute something to that, yeah. uh, to that wall. Um, Growing up, did you always feel like you would uh, be an artist? I mean, you went to university to study psychology, mm -hmm. but um, did you always know that it would be like art and something else? Well, I didn't know, actually. Mm. When I was in high school, um, I was very sporty and I was in love with volleyball. So actually in high school, I wanted to get a volleyball scholarship to go play beach volleyball in LA. 
Um, the, <laughs> that was actually my dream. It's a great uh, spot for it. Yeah. So that the was, courts are still there on the beach, by the way. I just want to yeah, throw that out there. I know. I should go down there. Um, but that that didn't happen. Something else happened. Um, a trauma happened, and that kind of led mm. me down a different road. So then, art being an outlet for my life was a way for me to get back to you know being in tune with myself and expressing myself. And psychology was actually more the road that I wanted to go down to. I wanted to help people um, have that rewarding feeling of, you know, helping someone better themselves or just being there for someone, being a support system. Um, so that's kind of psychology was the road that I was going down. Um, and then working at a, a psychologist's office, then I kind of realized maybe talk therapy isn't exactly for me. Um, just sitting down talking, I wanted to kind of use my artistic abilities. And, you know, so then I looked at different therapies and art therapy was what I found. That's really fantastic. And I couldn't think of anybody better suited for it. Um, just to um, chat about that a little more, I just, I think it's extraordinary. Um, Oftentimes people who undergo trauma, they're advised after the fact that tapping into a creative outlet can be a great way to heal. Yeah. But it feels like you understood that intuitively and yeah. you naturally went to your painting, your creative, creative place yeah. and use that as your outlet. Uh, I think that's extraordinary. Uh, I just, it's so, it, it was just in you to, to know to do that. Yeah. And just, you know, playing with art all my life, it was, you know, just sketching all the time. We'd, I, I have a sketchbook, a small one that I bring with me everywhere that I go. And I like to, you know, uh, draw little different things for every um, country that we go to. And, um, and even if it's just, you know, splatting the walls with paint and getting your anger out that way that, you know, I was allowed to do that. And I was, you know, painting the walls wasn't like a, oh, you know, don't mess up the house. So yeah, it was an yeah. outlet for me that I really, really, um, you know, enjoyed and I found very therapeutic for myself. And I thought, okay, if I'm finding it, you know, helpful to get my emotions out on paper, then, you know, other people might, um, um, you know, there's different forms of therapy, music therapy, you know, writing poetry, everyone has a different, um, you know, thing that they connect to, but art therapy was, was what I leaned towards, found no. very helpful. I think, again, uh, I just, um, I keep coming back to that point that um, the mechanism that you use to help yourself is what you are now bringing to the world. And um, uh, there, there's nothing more poignant and um, impactful than that because you can speak to it from a place of authenticity, sincerity, and you can tell your patients, I've been there. I, exactly. Yeah, I know what you're going yeah. through. Um, this helped me. And, and it, that becomes very convincing. It's not just... Uh, uh, it, it, there's a proximity there. There's an empathy. There's an understanding. It's uh, not so distant. Um, so that that's really great. So, um, 
when you went to college, you were thinking psychology. When did you do this experience in the office that uh, elucidated the fact that talk therapy wasn't going to be it? Um, well, during my bachelor's, okay. um, I thought, you know, I better get a job at a counseling office so that I know what I'm going into and going towards yeah. or else why am I in school for it? Um, so it was, yeah, I was at SFU doing my bachelor's for psych. And that's when I got a job at the counseling office. Um, and then just being there and um, being the, I was the director of first impressions, which means people call in, um, talk, say their issue, and I would best fit them with the best psychologist, depending on their speci specialty. Um, and then talking to all of the psychologists and learning from them, you know, what was their journey? What was their story? It just kind of, I just couldn't see myself sitting in a room for eight hours a day, um, listening to people's problems and not really moving. I'm, I'm very, I like to move. Um, so I was like, okay, that's not necessarily for me, but I still have the need and the feeling to want to help people. It just, it won't be in that form. Yeah. So yeah. Then that's when I looked for other forms of therapy and, and also at that time, I was, um, you know, helping to organize and run Art Vancouver, the International Art Fair here in Vancouver. Um, so I'm also an artist selling my work at the show and thought, okay, you know, I'm an artist. Art therapy yeah. must, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's talk about that a little bit more because uh, the, it's exciting, the um, artistic ventures um, that you've been a part of. And uh, my understanding is that it's a family endeavor. Yes, yeah. Um, my mom and my sister and my dad and my brother, we all have different parts um, in the show. But basically it um, started years ago um, when there was no uh, art fair in Vancouver and my mom being an artist, me being an artist. Um, she also is a curator for um, at a gallery and would go to different art fairs and yeah. especially the one in Toronto. She spoke to some art collectors and they, they were all from Vancouver. And she was like, oh, why don't you buy the art in Vancouver? And he was like, well, there's, there is no art fair. Right. And, you know, it takes a lot of time to go to 15 galleries a day. And um, for serious art collectors and art lovers, it's easier to go one weekend to one location where there's hundreds of artists and artwork um, available. So we thought, you know what? We can do anything we set our minds to. And um, we started uh, five, six years ago. Yeah. That's fantastic. Um, and I can certainly identify with that, that sort of West Coast, East Coast divide, which um, mm. happens down here in, in the States as well where uh, oftentimes us LA collectors are in New York for Armory um, or other shows. And, um, you know, we're, we, there are a few art fairs here in LA, but um, nothing that has yet approached the uh, significance of what's happening on the East Coast. So uh, kudos to uh, <laughs> your family both, for- Both art fairs in LA and New York. I've, you know, before COVID, we would travel to one, one a month. And- That's fantastic. Inspired by all of the different artwork 
Yeah. Well, and, and unfortunately, because of COVID, like we'd otherwise be talking about ALAC and you might even be here in person uh, in yeah. LA. That usually yeah, happens this time of year. Yeah. And so, um, and then Ada, that's kind of how I had it in my mind. Like, well, there's also uh, fog in San Francisco mm-hmm. um, that happens in the early part of the year. And then Zona Majo in, uh, in Mexico City. You can just travel to each one. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, how old were you when you showed your first collection at Art Vancouver? Uh, I I was in my early 20s. Um, yeah, in my early 20s, 20, 22 or something like that. That's um, great. Yeah, it was very exciting because I never showed my work at a, yeah. on a big scale like that. And so it was yeah. like, okay, you need to come up with a cohesive theme. And actually, um, Marilyn Monroe, my first theme was pop icons. Nice. Um, okay. So yeah, and we went to a show in Miami and it was like, you know, big stars. <laughs> That's fantastic. Well, uh, and for those of uh, the audience who are just listening, um, Tasha's in front of one of her works, which is a, a pop icon, uh, Marilyn Monroe, uh, with her uh, interpretation of the of a background, um, which are uh, yeah, strong colors and uh, um, you know very Warhol reminiscent. Um, yeah. What you've yeah. done? Yeah, it's yeah. a it's it's in my royalty series. So I did a whole. Um, spray painted hearts background, which was one of my best sellers of the spray painted hearts, but all different colors. I sold all of them except for one that I won't sell that's kept in my room. Um, <laughs> nice. And I kind of mixed some of my themes that did well and only chose black, white, gold, and silver for um, royalty. And I did a bunch of crowns and sparkles. And so this is one from that series, which I love. Fantastic. Um, would you describe your artistic practice as um, figuration with abstraction as a narrative element? Yeah, it's it's a mix. Um, mm. I haven't thought of one kind of theme or series that I want to do for the rest of my life, like most artists. Every year, I find that I'm experimenting with different things and going to different art fairs. I'm inspired and, and motivated to try new things. So I'm always changing. Um, yeah, when I was in Southeast Asia, I did a whole abstract um, series uh, with all different colors. And then mm. I did this series, which was only four different colors. And I'm always kind of changing. I haven't, I, I get bored of doing one thing for <laughs> over a year. After a year, I'm like, okay, I'm done. Yes. That's the series, that's the collection. Those are the originals, that's it. Nobody can get any more. Um, yeah, so it's, I'm a mix. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, uh, you've talked about the various art fairs you've visited and you spoke earlier about uh, in growing up when you would travel, you uh, there would always be some artistic um, keepsake or uh, that you'd, you'd bring back. And, and now you've just talked about uh, time that you've spent in, in Southeast Asia. Um, does that exposure uh, to other cultures, other places, do you find that um, that tends to precede a creative outburst of your, of your work? Like, does that influence and impact? Yes, of course, of course. Oh my, mm. yeah. Um, 
the last two years we did um, Art Taiwan twice mm, and nice. um, in, we were in South Korea for another show and then we went over to Singapore and the materials that they have, I in Singapore got all different um, Chinese, like Chinese watercolor inks and paintbrushes and um, not canvas but different kind of paper and one night I just, I made 20 paintings in one night because I was like, <laughs> I have, you know, it just comes out of wow. you and you're just like this, like this, like this. Yeah, and it became yeah. a, um, a huge hit. They're my silhouette ladies. You can find them on my Instagram. But um, yeah, you know, there's something that happens inside of you when you're inspired by like so many different things. And then you create this thing in your head and you want to put it on paper. Sometimes it doesn't work out. And it doesn't look like what you have the image in your head, but um, it always, it, it's, it's, it fascinates me because something comes out and you're yes, like, yes, absolutely. Yeah. 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 No, that's fantastic. Well, after graduating from Simon Fraser, you've done some other formal study. So uh, guide us through that. Pardon? So how did you after college you got yeah. you're under bachelor's but then you, yeah. there's also some other formal study that you did um For art therapy and yeah exactly um, walk us through that well so i'm still taking um night courses at emily carr to you oh, know nice. still learn and grow from different um art teachers but then yeah i went to the vancouver um art therapy institute here in uh, granville island where I did nice. my um, diploma for art therapy. Um, and I did a bunch of different practicums there to learn what age group I was connecting with and wanted to work with. And from there, I learned a lot. And that's when I really fell in love with it, um, working, actually being out in the field. Cause yeah, it was obviously schoolwork and um, being in class, but half the time was actually being an art therapist working in a, in a space. And that was when I really fell in love with it. Um, when people would come in, you know, needing help and wanting help. And I was able to hold that safe space for them, for them to be vulnerable and for them to open up, even though I'm a complete stranger, you know, it, they just felt safe, which I'm so glad that I was able to, you know, make people feel comfortable. And they were able to, you know, sometimes there wouldn't be any, any talking or any words. It would just be, you know, show me how you're feeling today. Let me know through the artwork. And it would just be silent in the flow of them working. And then you can see it in their facial expressions of once they got it out, like, oh, okay, so this is what's been going on. And, and, you know, you try and find the deep rooted issues with, with trauma and where things started and um, what you're triggered by. And then, you know, we'd also go through, you know, breathing techniques and, and coping mechanisms and, and meditations and, you know, even, you know, what not to eat and, you know, just, just a mm. healthy um, lifestyle of, you know, adding exercise in because everything is, um, you know, a component to being a healthy person and healthy Absolutely. mindset. No, yeah. that's 100% true. And um, I love the way you describe that. Um, your role you find is holding space for them. And what occurs to me is that um, coming in, they may never have met you, but yeah. afterwards, because of the kinship 
and yep. that space that you're holding for them to allow them to be vulnerable. I bet they feel closer to you than many of the people they interact with in their lives on a regular basis. Yeah, not a lot of people have support um, and not a lot of people have someone to listen to them and really, really understand where they're coming from. And I'm, I'm that person. I'm, you know, I want to be the person who's supporting them and who's, you know, grounding them and really trying to, you know, not go in circles about the issue, but okay, this is, you know, what the problem is. And this is, you know, acknowledging what has happened and being aware of it and then moving forward from there. So there's a whole different components to it all, but yeah. That's extraordinary. And I know you're affiliated with a hospital right now where you do group therapy. And so, you know, based on your various practicum experiences, which age group have you opted to focus on? Adolescents, um, ages 12 to 18. Okay. That's who I really, really connect with. Um, yeah, it's, I'm older and um, I get a lot of, um, they look up to me in a different way um, and they're able to open up. Um, I'm the cool art therapist. <laughs> um, yes. But I also feel very comfortable because um, doing my different practicums, some of them I was working with uh, older mothers and it was hard for me to connect when they had issues with their children. Mm. I don't have children. So it was like, okay, well, you know, it, it was just different. I was still able to help, but in a different way. So working with adolescents, I feel that, you know, I've been there. I've, I've, you know, been in some of the similar situations and I'm able to connect more. And also they're so young and they have such a bright future ahead of them. And some of them don't know, but now is the time where they're able to make that switch. And, you know, whatever the issue is, they're able to make a change for themselves. It's not too late, you know, they're not, they don't have all of their, you know, habits, you know, set in stone. They can, you know, decide in their head if they want to make a change and with support, they're able to do that. So I find that for me helping um, younger ages is more beneficial for them to change the rest of their life rather than, adults who have already had um, issues and it's harder to change and harder sure. to change your, 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 your daily habits. Yeah, no, yeah. that makes a, a great deal of sense. Um, obviously not divulging any uh, names or particulars, but I was wondering if you'd be willing to share some experiences or situations or breakthroughs you've had with some of your patients. Mm -hmm. Well, it's hard to say exactly because everything's confidential, but um, everyone has different issues, whether um, it's substance abuse or mental disorders um, or psychosis or, you know, just anxiety or depression. There's no comparison to whose problem is worse or anything like that. Um, but I'm trying to figure out how I can tell you without really. <laughs> Um, uh, in, in the past, some people have said, oh, patient A or patient X uh, yeah. had this issue, this, this happened, and then he was an amazing breakthrough. Um, yeah, well, I've had a few amazing breakthroughs. Um, mm. 
and it all kind of comes down to them wanting to be there and to change. It's, yeah. it's definitely hard to work with individuals who who don't want to be in art therapy. For sure. Um, you know, if they're voluntary or involuntary. So the ones that do want to make a change and are becoming aware when they come into the art room. And sometimes I've had, um, you know, patients that don't want to be there. And then at the, at the six week mark, they're like, you're my favorite class. I want to come here all the time. Can I continue seeing you when I'm gone? And I'm like, yes, of course, you know, I'm glad that I've changed the way that they think about art. Some of them think, oh, it's just a childish, you know, I'm not a kid anymore. I don't want to play with art. And I'm like, it's not about that. It's about, you know, if talk therapy isn't necessarily easy for you, then you can express yourself through the artwork. And that's another form of um therapy and psychotherapy where you know you're really able to let it out and you need to let it out in some form or else it will boil up and then there'll be explosions of anger or sadness or you know whatever yeah yeah. yeah, there's definitely been some breakthroughs and it's been that's the rewarding part for me when they say thank you so much you know you've helped me and numerous ways then it's like because sometimes I feel that maybe I'm not helping in a way because they haven't said thank you or you know you really helped me do this but then I've heard in different ways um, that I have helped without them even knowing and just holding the space for them to open up and um, you know share their share their story and you know what's truly bothering them um helping them in different ways so it's been a very rewarding experience that's such fantastic you know this term holding space it seems like it's a it's very passive but the reality is it's intensely active and it requires engagement and it requires empathy all of which consume your resources your energy how do you engage in self-care how do you replenish yourself um many different ways i love taking baths i do Mm. a lot of stretching and yoga and meditation and Mm. sometimes if there's a very intense session i will actually do my own art therapy about it so i will get a piece of paper and draw Sometimes I'll just close my eyes and just, it's, you know, hand movements. And that's how I will let it out. Cause I'm myself might not have the words to explain to someone. And I also right. can't really explain to anyone what happened. Um, so I will let it, I'll let it out through the artwork. So amazing. Do art therapy on myself. <laughs> yeah. That's extraordinary. Mm-hmm. Well, and I imagine, I mean, uh, with your colleagues, is there, um, so sort of peer support in that way? Yes, I have a supervision group um, that I meet with every month and I'm able yeah. to share stories there. It's a confidential group. So that's very helpful because I'm also hearing other um, stories of other art therapists who are also maybe struggling with, oh, this happened and I wasn't yeah. sure really how to approach it properly. And so I'm learning as well. Um, and it's a safe space for me to talk as well, which is nice. Yeah. 
That's fantastic. And um, you have plans to launch your own practice or you have already maybe? Well, I mean, I have a little bit, but I'm okay. still working. I just finished my branding. I'm, you know, finishing my website right now. I'm working, but I haven't um, secured a studio location for me to have uh, my work. As, and I've kind of held back a little bit because, you know, COVID and of course, you know, yeah. if we can, you know, safely engage um, in-person sessions. So I'm changing as the world is changing and maybe it's, I'm just offering online. Um, I'm doing online therapy right now. So maybe I just continue to do that and not have a in-person location. So yeah. Still, yeah. still figuring it out. Of course, yeah, no, and COVID has created uh, challenges uh, with respect to that because um, engaging in art, creating art is a very physical process and presence is so important. So it's a bit diluted when you have to do it um, online. Um, part of the frustration with all the art fairs is that many galleries have chosen to put their collection or what they would otherwise be exhibiting online, but it's not the same. Well, I mean, yeah, Art Taiwan just had their show a couple weeks ago. Mm. Um, so there are still art fairs happening and they yeah. had record sales. Um, they're doing it safely, obviously, but so I'm hoping that we can still have our art show, maybe not this year, but next year. No, for sure. Mm -hmm. Now uh, the world will come back and we'll be even that much more hungry for it. Um, and, um, it was interesting. I have several friends who are entrepreneurs in the art space and a lot of them have online, um, uh, formats or, or, or ways of, of selling art. And, um, they've actually seen an increase and it makes sense to me because so many people are sitting at home, staring at that wall and they would like to have something on there or some variation to it. So, uh, and, intuitively that that makes sense um for me the way i love to um acquire art is uh, by doing a lot of studio visits mm -hmm. and so that's been really hard not being able to engage yeah. in that and um i you know i like to study an artist i like to get familiar with their work go to the studio see what's there uh, or the gallery experience it have a conversation with them and usually it just comes to me which work I, I want to have usually it's, how uh, it happens one of them will speak to you and then you'll yeah. say oh, i'm taking that one home. that's the one yeah no, absolutely yeah. absolutely so um you've accomplished so much at a very young age you have this uh, sense of what you want to do you found your purpose and your mission in life and um uh Again, I just, uh, when I think back at some of the anecdotes you shared and um, you know, your parents have done really an extraordinary job. And uh, I remember one story you shared about um, the, uh, the, the, the words of affirmation that your mom would uh, <laughs> sprinkle throughout the house in places that you would encounter them yeah. that uh, I'd be surprised about it. That's such a great story. Please uh, share that with the audience if you don't mind. Um, well, my mom is very, very positive and she's always wanted us to be strong, independent individuals and to really um, believe in ourselves and follow our gut feelings. So at a very young age, she randomly went into all of our closets and 
wrote peace, love, and gratitude, but not just in our closets. We would find them, you know, underneath the sink and, and just random, random places in the laundry room. And it was like, you know, getting changed every morning while I'm, you know, picking out my clothes, peace, love, and gratitude. I would, you know, obviously that's going to go through me and I'm going to think peace, love, and gratitude every day, yeah. all day. Yeah. And so yeah. um, her sending us positive messages subliminally, um, you know, not directly saying she would say these things all the time to us, but us seeing it for ourselves, you know, that came into our minds and it was, you know, spread peace, love, and gratitude. And, you know, it just really emanated with us and we've all kind of, you know, thank you, mom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, yeah. uh, it's ex extraordinary, really a, a great, um, practice to, to have and, and, and be in. Um, I also think it's extraordinary how you're a great role model, um, for these adolescents who have experienced trauma and, um, you're just giving them a wonderful outlet. Um, I'd love for you to share, like, uh, going forward, what's, uh, what's your vision? What would you like to do? Any, any goals that you'd like to accomplish? Uh, yes, I just did my 2021 goals. Um, well, for, I love obviously helping people and I love doing art therapy, but I also love traveling. Traveling isn't really, you know, we're not really able to do that right now, but the future, I would love to travel to different countries and do art therapy groups or individual therapy or art therapy workshops. I would love to kind of implement all of my loves. Traveling is such a great thing. You learn so much, you meet so many different people. And I find myself, I'm learning and growing from them. So as much as I would love to have a private practice here in Vancouver, I would also love to be traveling, doing art therapy and meeting different people from all walks of life. So that's one of my biggest goals that I would, I would love to, you know, strive towards. Um, whether it happens, maybe not this year because of COVID, but when it's safe to travel again, I would like to somehow make that happen. Um, and then also as well as traveling to different art fairs because I miss doing that too yeah. because then I'm inspired and then I create more <laughs> and when I create more I you know have another um, you know fulfilling um, emotion in in myself where I'm you know fulfilling my passion in life is to create and also to help people and be their support so I would like to combine it all um, yeah. And yeah, that's what I would. That's do. that's that's fantastic. I mean, um, art, much like music, is a universal language, and yes. um, it's it's a way to connect and communicate uh, without the use of words. So that's extraordinary. I love that. Um, once the world does open, what are your top few destination choices? Uh, well, I've 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 been to Europe a lot and recently Southeast Asia a lot. Um, so I would like to explore South America more and um, Africa, Morocco, mm. Egypt. Um, yeah, I would nice. I still have, I still have the whole world ahead of me. Yeah, yeah, um, uh, well, I have uh, uh, some strong ties in, in Morocco, so uh, we should talk about that. Um, yeah. <laughs> there's uh, Neza Alawi, 
who I, whom I consider a great friend uh, as well. Uh, and she's a member of the Alawi family, which has been the uh, royal family of Morocco for four centuries or so. She's currently based in New York, but she has a foundation called Mayshad. Uh, and she's also a guest on the show, which was, okay. I was really thrilled about. And um, I, uh, I, I'm the art director or art something or other. I have a title with the foundation, yeah. art related. Um, and, and it's enabled me to interact with a handful of uh, Moroccan artists, which have been, you know, it's, it's exquisite seeing their work. And uh, uh, the work coming out of uh, an art coming out of Africa, I think is absolutely fascinating. Um, Northern Africa is a little different than Sub-Saharan. Um, Sub-Saharan, there's been a great trend towards reclaimed product, um, like uh, such as El Anatsui, and um, there's been some amazing work uh, uh, by, by those following that, that process. Um, but also in Marrakesh is the second largest uh, museum on the continent of Africa for contemporary art mm -hmm. uh, called Macau. And so I know those folks well, I've been to that museum. It's extraordinary. I've um, never been, so I'm. it's on my list high up there. <laughs> Fantastic, okay. Well, we'll have to get some introductions made and uh, make sure you have a, a very comfortable visit. Mm -hmm. um, this has been such an extraordinary conversation, Tasha. Thank you so much for your openness, your willingness to be vulnerable. And as I said at the outset, thank you so much again for all that you do. Um, you're making the world a better place and you're healing the world and in such an extraordinary way. And um, I think it's especially potent uh, given um, you know, what you went through, you're on this mission to help others. Um, and I, I always find that so extraordinary because it's not often the experience. Sometimes people get into a dark place. They, they aren't able to heal themselves or maybe they feel somewhat entitled that the world owes them. Uh, I've seen that happen, uh, but you've taken this um, really, um, it, approach of embracing humanity and um, bringing your gifts uh, to the world in an extraordinary way. So I thank you. Yeah, thank you. I, you know, it comes from the heart. Um, I love helping people and I'm also, you know, it's beneficial for me too, because then I get that rewarding feeling and I'm making a difference in someone's life. You know, if, even if it's one person um, or a group, uh, I'm doing good for the world and uh, yeah. I feel that. You know, art therapy is really, really great. And for for people who don't know art, you don't need to be an artist to do art therapy. You don't need to have mm -hmm. any experience. And I think that's one thing that people might be afraid to try. Um, and also, which is kind of why I don't show my art, um, because I don't want them to, to be intimidated by what I'm creating, because yes, my right. work that I do in, in therapy sessions is very different from when I'm creating pieces for a show. Um, and some of my work can be very, very, uh, you know, dark and, and um, unrelatable and just abstract. So there's no art is for everyone. Everyone I think is an artist at heart. They mm. just have to try and, you know, get a, when people say they can't do art, I say, well, can you hold a pencil or a paintbrush? And they say, yeah. And I said, well, can you move your hand at, while holding it and pick a, pick a color? 
They say, yeah. And I said, well, then you can do art because it doesn't have to be a pretty picture. That's not what we're trying to do. It's all about the process and expressing yourself through that process. Oh, that's fantastic. That's exquisite. Yeah. Tasha, thank you so much. It was really thank extraordinary you. having you on the show. And um, you know, I, I'm sure I'm sure you've inspired a lot of people. And, uh, and and for those in the audience who may feel like they're grappling with something and, and talk therapy hasn't been as effective as they would have liked or, or writing therapy hasn't been as effective, then this is an outlet for them. And, and that's such an important message. You don't have to be you don't have to consider yourself artistically gifted to engage in art therapy. It's for everyone. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and I'll share my contact details if anyone has any questions um, and I can help the best that I can. Yeah, that's fantastic. Thank you so much again. Thank you.